Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. We're going to jump into things today. Uh, we're starting a new series called Hello, My Name Is, and uh, just talking about lesser-known characters in the Bible, why their stories matter, uh, how it applies to us, and most importantly, what it tells us about God. And so today, I picked Samuel. Maybe you know who that is, maybe you don't, but Samuel is a miracle baby, an answer to prayer. He was a child who hears God's voice. He's the last judge of Israel. He's the first in a line of Old Testament prophets. He's a priest who made sacrifices and prayers on behalf of the people to God, and he was a national leader and advisor. And so Samuel's actually a great example of leadership skills and spiritual steadfastness, obedience to God. He's a person of prayer. He's a man of faith. Uh, He's even included in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, where it just lists off people of faith throughout, throughout the Bible. Now, for you, if you are an aspiring or established leader, then Samuel's story might be for you today. Uh, If you want to get better at recognizing God's voice, Samuel's story might be for you. Or if you want to be a faithful Christ follower all your days, Samuel's story might be for you. And I think Samuel's worth talking about. He's not some outdated historical character. He's a great example of how God works through people when they honor and obey him. And uh, I think that is just so essential. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to see. And if I can be vulnerable, I think, I think these last couple of years through COVID, I think what hit me the hardest uh, more than anything else was watching people uh, who had done life with Jesus and church for so long walk away from church and never come back. Uh, and now, as I see with some of them, it's like they're not even following Jesus. And to me, that, I just, that, Oh, that hurts. And that was really hard. Um, you know, I, I, during that time, I, you know, things like depression and panic attacks that I'd never had before really just started to get to me. And I was just so consumed by like, what is happening that uh, I was talking with the counselor and he gave me this really good nugget, uh, nugget of truth. And uh, he said, you know, there's a reason, like, yes, we want to be aware of what's going on and behind us and what's happened or the past or whatever, but there's a reason that rearview mirrors are smaller than windshields. And we need to keep looking forward. Yes, be aware of what's happening and who we can still bring and all that, but you've got to move forward. And so, you know, for me, that was a moment where it just really, something shifted, and I was like, okay, who are we doing life with? And so I look around at you watching online, I look at you guys in the room, and I see people who are faithfully following God, wanting to know Him, whether you're new, whether you've been around the whole time, whether you came back after a season. I just am excited to see where God will take us from here. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're in a day and age where it's harder than ever to stand for Jesus in our culture, and, uh, and yet here we are, consistent, obedient, faithful. I see some Samuels here, and so I want to encourage us today, because as we look at the, the story of Sam, uh, Samuel, there's a, it's very similar, kind of, I think, our world right now, a weird tension of, like, chaos, confusion, change, anxiety, is really not that much different from the world he lived in. At the end of the book of Judges, um, uh, the world has descended into violence and chaos, and it's a time where, as the book says there, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what seemed right in their own eyes. That just sounds like today. That doesn't sound any different to me. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Live your own truth. Israel 
is a dark place waiting for light to enter, and the good news is God has a plan. Everyone say, God has a plan. Yes. So the story of Samuel actually begins very quietly, not with a warrior or, uh, you know, uh, coming onto the scene and doing something epic, but actually with the faithful prayer of a woman who wants to be a mother. Uh, this is how this starts in 1 Samuel. And Hannah's prayers uh, for a child, she, she has a prayer for a child. She has faith in God's plan, willingness to be a part of that plan however she can. It's so essential. Without Hannah's faith, there can be no story. And, you know, even as a side note, I wonder how many of us would not be here today if it were not for a praying parent, <laughs> right? How many of us, you know, the behind-the-scenes the things that unlock stories are so amazing. And so in 1 Samuel, Hannah comes to the temple, and she is praying and weeping before God, and uh, she says this, she says, uh, Eternal One, commander of heavenly armies, if only you will look, me, look down at the misery of your servant and remember me. Oh, don't forget me. And give your servant a son that I promise I will devote the boy to your service as a Nazarite all the days of his life. He'll never touch wine or strong drink. No razor will ever cut his hair. Um, And then it jumps over and it says, The next morning they rose early to worship the Eternal One. Then they went back to their home at Ramah and Elkanah slept with Hannah, his wife. The Eternal remembered her petition. And in a new year, Hannah became pregnant. When her son was born, she named him Samuel. So, Hannah prays. God answers her prayer. She keeps her end of the bargain. She says, hey, if you will give me a son, that is what I want, but I will dedicate him to the Lord, and he'll actually like go and live and work at the temple of God. And so that's what she does. She brings Samuel, and he lives at the temple. And maybe some of you parents are like, is that an option? Like, <laughs> can, I, can I have kids, but then like leave them at the church all week and just come visit when I want? No, I'm sorry. That's not what we do here. But just, just in case you were wondering, so. <laughs> but... Uh, so it continues from there, and in First uh, Samuel 3, I love this uh, part of his story. Uh, the boy Samuel continued to serve the Eternal One under the guidance of Eli. In those days, messages from the Eternal were rare, and sacred dreams or visions were given to very few. Eli, who was very old, had become almost blind. He was lying in his room. It was late at night, but before dawn, as the lamp of God still burned. Samuel was resting in the house of the Eternal One, where the covenant chest of the true God was located, and he heard a voice. Samuel, Samuel, here I am, Samuel says, running to Eli. I heard you calling. Here I am. I did not call you, my Ray, like Eli, like waking up in the middle of the night, punk kid, all right? It's like, I did not call you. Go, my son, go back and lie down. So Samuel went back to bed, but the eternal one called him again. Samuel, Samuel running back to Eli. I heard you calling. Here I am. No, I did not call you, my son. Go back and lie down. I need my rest, <laughs> right? We've all, I'm sure we've all said, this, like, go to, go to bed. Samuel did not recognize the voice of the Eternal One, for the word of the Eternal had not been revealed to Samuel yet. So Samuel went back again to his bed, and the Eternal One called him a third time. Samuel running to Eli, I know you called me. Here I am. Eli, realizing the Lord was calling Samuel, go back and lie down, my son. If the voice calls you again, I want you to say, speak, eternal one, your servant is listening. So Samuel went to his bed in his place and listened. That's important. He listened. Then the eternal one came into his presence as before. Samuel, Samuel, speak, eternal one, your servant is listening. Pay attention. I'm about to do something so amazing in Israel that it will sting the ears of everyone who hears it. The day is coming when I will carry out the vow I made to Eli about his family, every word of it. I have told him that I will punish his house forever for the sins of his sons, who were also priests and were doing a lot of really bad stuff and not 
doing their proper priestly duties. They were very bad. Uh, bringing a curse on them, uh, on themselves that he knew about but did nothing to stop. So I vow that the sins of the house of Eli may never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Ugh. Imagine as a kid, that is the first thing you hear from God. You're like, oh, that was heavy. Okay. But then it keeps going from here. So after hearing this message, Samuel lay there until morning and then opened the doors of the eternal one's house, but he was afraid to tell Eli what God had said to him. Yeah, I don't blame him. Samuel, my son, here I am. What was it that he told you? Tell me everything. May the true God carry out his vengeance on you and worse if you hold anything back from me that he said to you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing. And then Eli responds, amazingly, uh, this message is truly from the eternal one. Let him do what seems good to him. Ooh, that'd be a tough one to take. Even from a young age, Samuel puts God first, above everything else, even his own desires and concerns. And I have seen this played out uh, in my own life and whatever, but especially in kids. Um, God loves to use kids. I hope you know that. I'm a kid's pastor with our kids, and so I see it. And we were doing a, a day camp last month uh, here, and during one of the kind of breakout sessions, we're doing like a small group, and uh, one of the girls, his name is Finya, she had just lost a tooth. Her mouth was in a lot of pain, and so we're in the middle of something, and you know, kids just love to announce what's going on in their world. She's like, my mouth hurts, like a lot. I was like, oh. And then another boy, Landon's just, uh, you know, a uh, little guy, he's just like, I feel like we need to pray for her. I was like, yeah, aw. It's more than aw, but yes. Uh, and I feel like I need to pray for her. I was like, oh, okay. Well, do you want to pray for her? No, I'm too shy. Okay. Well, what if I, what if I uh, give you some words? Um, maybe I can help you say a prayer. Actually, I can do it. Okay. And he prays this powerful, like, prayers that would put some of the adults in here to shame of just like, God, bring your healing power and da 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 praise for her, and I finish, and I'm like, guys, do you realize what just happened? First off, Landon just heard from God. That wasn't just a random thing. He's like, I feel like we need to pray for her right now. That was his response. Then, in his shyness, he receives courage from the Holy Spirit and acts on it, and so I'm, I'm kind of hyping this up, and then Finney is just like, oh, and my mouth doesn't hurt anymore, and I was like, okay, well, there's also a physical healing that just took place. So, God does amazing things through kids, but I love that it, it, it starts with listening to a voice. It starts with learning to hear. It is so important. And, you know, like, you know, some of us might think, oh, that story's cute, right? Aw, you know, they're kids, whatever, but uh, stop and consider the impact for a minute. If I told you, if God told you right now to pray for someone after service in a group, would you do it? There's some adults here that are like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no way, I couldn't do that. Would you pray out loud in front of a group of people? But childlike faith is a foundation for life of saying yes to Jesus. If you can have childlike faith, Jesus tells us this. Mark 10, 13, he said, When the crowd gathered again, the people brought their children to see Jesus, hoping he might grant them his blessing through his touch. His disciples turned them all away, right? It's like, ah, oh, kids, get out of here, right? But Jesus sees this, and he is incensed. He's like, no way. To his disciples, let the children come to me. Don't ever stand in their way, for this is what the kingdom of God is all about. That's a big statement from the Savior of the world. This, kids, this is what the kingdom of God is all about. Truly anyone who doesn't accept the kingdom of God as a little child does can never enter it. If you have any hopes of wanting to be a part of the kingdom of God, you might want to pay attention to that line. It starts with a childlike faith 
that says, I'm shy or I'm this, whatever, but yes, God, I will do what you ask of me. I'm going to learn to hear your voice, and I'm going to act on it. It is so point. It is so important. And, uh, you know, today I'm not here to impress you with intensely inspiring intellectual insights or alliteration. I want to focus on the simplest, truest truths because they're the most important. And we come with childlike faith. And Jesus calls us to have childlike faith and to trust and believe because that is such a great foundation. And so uh, Samuel models something for us that I think is so important. It's learning to hear God's voice. Oh, we all need this. Because at first, he's confused. He can't distinguish. You know, he thinks it's just uh, his boss, I guess, whatever, you know, uh, uh, oh, that's what this is. It's a human voice. But God is teaching him voice recognition, the ability to hear the voice of God through his word, through his spirit, uh, and the noise of the world. When we can do that through all of that, it orients us back to him. And that is so important that before Samuel could gain direction from God's voice, because I'm sure there's many of us here uh, that are like, I need direction. But before we can gain direction from God's voice, we have to learn to hear God's voice. And so many Christ followers miss that, right? It's just like, oh, this is going on in my world. Well, I'll just Google 10 verses on depression or whatever this to- topic is, and that, that'll be my answer. Or, or oh, I, I need an answer to this thing. I'll go on YouTube and watch, uh, you know, the latest blogger that, that is smarter than me, better Christian, that can explain this to me. None of those things are bad, but have you ever considered stopping? and listening, and letting God speak to you. It is one thing for you to sit here and maybe hear from what I have to say today, or what you watch on YouTube, or whatever, but for you to actually stop and just like open your Bible and be like, God, what do you want to say to me? Or I'm going to take a moment, I'm going to pray, and nothing's going to distract me in the morning or at night, and God, what do you want to say to me? We can actually learn. This is something we teach the kids all the time, and, and adults, we need it just as much. It is, we take time. We pause in, in, in voltage, and it's just like, okay, we are going to take some God time. We're going to slow ourselves down, and usually I say, we're going to take one minute. Nobody's going to talk. Nobody's going to move, and it works <laughs> with like 60 kids over there. Everybody just, they stop. I say, I want you to, you know, and even now, like just, I just like bringing that, that sense of peace, you know? It's like, okay, you know, as we just, as we take 30 seconds or a minute, I want you to just pay attention to how you feel. Are there emotions going through you? Are there, are there feelings you're feeling? Uh, or maybe, maybe is there a picture that comes in your head? And you're like, I don't even know if that makes sense. I'm picturing a, a playground. Okay, ask God why. If you ever ask a kid, a voltage kid, well, what do you do when, when God shows you something you don't know what to do? They will all tell you, you ask why. And you keep a conversation going with God. Well, why? Why are you showing me this? Why am I feeling this? And little by little, you have this conversation. Or maybe it's just a thought that, you know, amidst all your crazy thoughts, one just kind of floats to the front as you calm yourself. And we can learn to hear God's voice. All of us can learn to hear God's voice if we are open and willing. And so as we continue with that foundation of, okay, I'm going to hear God's voice and I'm going to do something about it. We see uh, where it continues from there. Uh, 1 Samuel 3.19, as Samuel grew, the eternal one guided him. And I love this. And none of his words were lost on Samuel. That's a big statement. The eternal one guided him, but none of his words were lost on Samuel. Imagine if that was true for you, for me. Like God is always talking. 
We just have to learn to hear it. It's like tuning the radio station to the right. Where are you, God? Okay, there you are. You're, You're always talking. And if we were able to tune in regularly, constantly, could you imagine if none of those words were lost on you? What would your life look like? You'd have a lot less regrets. You'd, have a, you'd be a further along in many ways. It, we, it is something at any stage of our life we can get better at doing is hearing God's voice. And I, I, I know what it looked like for Samuel and how it impacted him. We see in, uh, uh, I'm just going through First Samuel as his story. In uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, All of Israel was influenced by Samuel's words. So he is beginning to really come to a place where he is able, through God speaking to him, now he's got something to say to the people, and they're speaking through him. All of Israel was influenced by Samuel's words. You want to be an influencer? Forget TikTok, forget Instagram. Live a life that is focused on hearing from God, and let it pour out of you, and you will influence. You will influence. Imagine, none of his words None of God's words were lost on him. And so as a result, he was full of wisdom and insights for those who needed it. In fact, we see that uh, as we continue on, when the Ark of the Covenant, which was a symbol of God's presence, when it was stolen by enemies, the nation was grieving, and Samuel calls Israel to repentance. And he says this in uh, 7 verse 3. He says, if you really want to totally devote yourselves and return to the eternal one, okay, here's what you do. Get rid of all the foreign gods and goddesses you have gathered. Devote yourselves to the eternal, serve him and him alone, and he will save you from the oppression of the Philistines. So they're asking him, they're like, we're overwhelmed, we want God back, we, we, we feel like we're lacking, and he's like, all right, here's what you do. Think about what he's saying, though. He's not just patting him on the back, giving him, you'll figure it out, you'll be okay. It's not like that. He's calling them out. Hey, you don't feel close to God? It's actually your fault. Get rid of the distractions. Stop making other things more important than God. And if you really want to grow and really want help, change something. Sometimes we need to be like Samuel and not coddle people, but to call out in love. And I should preface this. I'm going to give some examples. But it's not that we are meant to be blunt and harsh and rude. Some of us are just naturally like that anyways. And we do need those people sometimes to kind of give us a... I'll pick a better... Slap across the face spiritually or whatever. But there's also, even in our... Even if you're more of a relaxed person. That doesn't mean that you can't bring truth in a way that someone needs to hear. And so, you know, someone could be like, oh, I don't don't know what God wants me to do. Well, you could be like, oh, that's so hard. See ya. Or, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, when's the last time you read your Bible or prayed? But maybe that's what they need to hear. I'm struggling with my identity. Oh, that's a sensitive topic. I don't really want to upset you, so pat you on the back. Or, I'm struggling with my identity. Well, I don't know, maybe get off TikTok and stop letting the world tell you what's true. I don't feel close to my spouse. Mm, That's hard. Here's some lyrics from a love song that'll help you. Or, I don't feel close to my spouse. Actually, we're pretty close and I know what's going on in your world. You need to stop looking at porn. Sometimes we need to do the things and do it out of love, but be bold enough to disagree or to hold up a mirror to messy situations and say, because I love you, I don't know if you see this about yourself, but this is what needs to change. If you really actually want what you're saying you're wanting, here's how you get it. And so Samuel rallied the people. They prayed. They fasted. They did repent. We see it in verse 4. So the people of Israel got rid of their gods and goddesses and began to serve only the eternal one. But of course, that wouldn't last forever because people wanted to be like other nations. And so they begin to ask, hey, we want a king. They've never had a king, but oh, everybody else has a king. 
I want, a, I want a king. They have a king. I want a king. I want a king. And so they start asking for a king. And so in, uh, in chapter 8, it says this, this request, appoint a king to rule us, bothered Samuel. So he prayed to the eternal one, and he received an answer. The eternal one said to him, listen to what the people are asking you to do. It is not a rejection of you. It's a rejection of my rule over them. It is what they've always done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until today, rejecting me and serving other gods. Now they're just doing it to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, that's, that's what's going to happen. Um, and so, uh, sorry, I just lost my spot. So, you know, with all of that, it's like, okay, that's what I'm going to do where uh, we see that's rejection. Listen to what they're going to do. Make it plain to them what they're asking. Uh, warn them about what will happen if a king is appointed to rule them. And so Samuel knows, oh, a king is not a good idea, guys. But they want it. And he, but he made a good choice. He's like, all right, this doesn't seem right, but I'm going to consult God. And God actually tells him something he wasn't expecting or that he didn't want. He's like, no, I don't want to give them the king. That's a wrong choice. And God's like, actually, I know, but you know what? Just do it. Really? But that, uh, are you sure, God? Yeah. Yeah, I'm God. I'm pretty sure. I can handle this. Okay? Just, just do it. And man, I think that's so important sometimes to consider that, you know, in big decision moments or something comes up, do you actually pray about it? Do you come to God and say, God, I, don't, I think I know what I should do, but what do you think? Because sometimes his answer is different than you think. It's like, oh God, I keep getting harassed by this person at work. Can you just please smite them, right? <laughs> and he's like, actually hurting people hurt people and I need you to become their friend. Oh, it's not the answer I wanted. Are you sure, God? Okay. Or maybe it's like, God, I need a boyfriend so bad. Like, I need a boyfriend. God, please give me a boyfriend. That's, that's my impression of a girl. Uh, <laughs> and God's like, no, actually, I want you to work on yourself first. I want you to take a year off from dating. Oh, that's not the answer I was looking for. Or God, help me with my anger issues. And he's like, okay, forgive your dad. <laughs> oh, okay. <sighs> Sometimes it's hard to hear what God actually wants us to hear, but prayer should lead to obedience. Prayer should lead to obedience, and that is our desire. That is the overall theme of this message of Samuel's life, and where we're going is just obedience to God. If you want to hear God's voice, prepare to obey God's voice. And so Samuel obeys. He says, all right, we're going to anoint this guy named Saul the first king of Israel. So then in chapter 12, uh, it says this. So in chapter 12, it says, okay, to the Israelites, I have listened to your voice and all you have said. I've given you a king to rule over you. He is now your ruler and will walk before you. I have grown old and gray, but my sons still live among you. I have led you since I was a young man, but those days are over. Here I am. Speak up in front of the eternal one and in front of his anointed king. If you have the same grievances against me as you have against my sons. So it's his sons, unfortunately, weren't quite as awesome and integrous as he was. But he's just like, hey, look at me right here. Have I ever taken an ox from you, a donkey? Have I ever cheated any of you, threatened any of you? Have any of you given me a bribe to make me change my judgment? If any of this is true, say so, and I'll make it right. And they're like, no, you've never cheated us. You've never threatened us. You've never taken anything from anyone. I say this for a reason. Samuel shows us a great example. He was a man of integrity. And he's publicly he's just like, hey, if I've done anything, go for it. Post it, share it, pull up that old thing and whatever. And they're like, we got nothing. You've lived a life of integrity. I, uh, on social media, I saw a great answer to a question someone was asking a Christian leader, and the question was, I'm struggling to trust pastors who highly, when highly regarded ones are having affairs behind closed doors. And the answer from this leader was, well, I just assume that everyone's struggling. 
That doesn't change my trust in Jesus or Scripture. It only underlines it. The measure of a pastor's character is Scripture. Also, most pastors don't have moral failings. You only hear about the airplanes that crash, not the 300,000 flights a day that take off and land safely. Sometimes we just need perspective. Integrity is what matters, and it's actually happening. There are a lot of people living with integrity, and that is my desire, that is our team's desire, that is our pastor's desire. We are not trying to be the flashiest, best, full of charisma, skill, whatever. We just want to walk in integrity. God will use that. God will honor that. God will work with that. And I think that is so important. Samuel had integrity. He modeled it, and he encouraged others to do the same. And we see in, uh, in 1 Samuel 12, uh, it says this, uh, never stop, so he's, t- he's talking to everyone, and he's saying, never stop following the eternal one. Serve him completely. Now, again, if you've known someone, maybe you know someone in your life, it's like when they have something to say, they've kind of earned the right to say it. They're not just, it's not random words. It's like, this is a life well lived. I'm going to pay attention to what they say. And so this is a man who has walked in integrity, and he says, you want to know what to do? Here's what you do. Never stop following the eternal one. Serve him completely. Do not follow empty things that do not have the power to benefit or save you. They are worthless. For the sake of his reputation, he will not cast away his chosen people. I love this. Before you ever chose him, the eternal one, he chose you as his own because it pleased him. Before you ever chose him, he had already chosen you. It pleased him to choose you. He wants you. And as for me, Samuel says, the last thing I would ever do is stop praying for you. That would be a sin against the eternal one on my part. I will always try, and this is so good, I will always try to teach you to live and act in a way that is good and proper in his eyes. What a great kind of like life vision. I don't know, maybe you're a vision person. I got goals. That's a great one. I will always try to teach people how to live and act in a way that is good and proper in God's eyes. So make this your one purpose, to revere him, and serve him faithfully with complete devotion because he has done great things for you. That's good. And when you hear that from someone who has actually lived that out, it carries weight. Like a good weight of like, okay, that's power. There's power in that. And so Samuel was faithful in what God asked him to do, and he didn't compromise. Now, same can't be said for King Saul. And we're not actually going to spend much time on them because they're not the point of of these stories, even though they're some of the more well-known people. In chapter 13, Saul gets impatient waiting for Samuel. Uh, He's supposed to perform a burnt offering after a victory, but Saul, who's not a priest, he's like, you know what, I'm just going to do it myself. He's taking too long, which is a no-no. You're not allowed to do that. And so Samuel gets there and tells him, hey, because of what you did, you're actually going to lose your kingdom now. And Saul tries to defend himself. Well, I was just offering sacrifices to God. Like, what's wrong with that? I'm not like, uh, yeah, maybe I didn't do it the right way, but it's a good thing, right? And then he says this. Samuel responds to him. In uh, chapter 15, he says, uh, Does the eternal one delight in sacrifices and burnt offerings as much as in perfect obedience to his voice? Be certain of this. So it's kind of like, here's the mic, pay attention. Obedience is better than sacrifice. To heed his voice is better than offering the fat of rams. That's true for our life too. Obeying God and what he asks us to do is better than how high your hands are in the air or what you're doing. Now, those are good things, and we, we do sacrifice, and we do, do many things that are important, but, but he's saying obedience is so important, and that's a theme of Samuel's life. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience to God's word should be our top priority, and then Saul responds like this uh, in verse 24. He says, okay, I get it. I have sinned. I disobeyed the voice of the eternal one and your instructions because I was afraid of the people. I listened to their counsel instead of yours. 
Well, there's Saul's problem. He was afraid of the people and listened to their counsel. And the sad truth is many, of, many today have given up their crowns, of, of, uh, their crowns in God's kingdom because they care more about what people think than what God thought. And God suggested something, and it wasn't what they wanted to hear, and they're like, actually, I don't know if I can line myself up with that, so I'm going to go this way instead. And they walk away, and they give up something because they cared more about what people thought. I don't know what people think. If I do this, that's going to ostracize me, or that's going to whatever, whatever it is. And so he wouldn't do it. Samuel finishes what Saul was supposed to do, which was to destroy his enemies completely. You can read it for yourself. He grabs a sword, chops the evil king into pieces like a boss, and walks away. Samuel ain't just some old talky-talky. He actually does the dirty work, too. (sighs) Anyways, Samuel never sees Saul again. His time with that failed king is over, and then uh, it jumps into this in in chapter 16 as I begin to wrap up. Uh, It says this, um, uh, the eternal one says, how long will you mourn over Saul? I've rejected him as my king over the people of Israel. Now take your horn, fill it with oil, and depart. I've selected a new king for me from among the, the sons of Jesse of Bethlehem. So Samuel consecrated Jesse and his sons, invited them to the sacrifice as well. When they came, he noticed the eldest son, Eliab. Oh, surely this is the one the Eternal One will anoint. But the Eternal tells him, speaks to him, take no notice of his looks or his height, he's not the one. For the Eternal One does not, this is good, the Eternal One does not pay attention to what humans value. Humans only care about the external appearance. How do I look today, you know, like, did I pick the right clothes? Am I doing this? How do I appear? Humans care about the external appearance, but the eternal considers the inner character. Again, it's coming back to integrity. God is looking in our hearts, and that is what he is looking for, people that will walk in integrity. And so Samuel humbly learns his lesson, okay, I will do that from now on. And he looks at the situation and people through God's eyes. He discovers the youngest son, a shepherd boy, maybe you heard of him, his name's David, and anoints him the next king of Israel. And from here, Samuel he just becomes a background character. We don't really hear much more about him after this. Only a reference a couple more times. I don't think he cares. He doesn't need recognition. He doesn't need the spotlight. He just faithfully serves God, whether that's front lines or in the background. And I just want to say as I get ready to wrap up, thank you for all of you who do the same kind of thing. You serve faithfully in the background. It could be here at church in the areas we don't see, or maybe it's the one that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're every night you're praying for that family member, your son, your daughter, or whoever. Uh, you're praying faithfully for these people. Maybe you're praying for uh, the leaders here at our church or whatever it is. Thank you to the ones that just head into work every day, and it's like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try and just live out a reflection of Jesus through my work ethic and do that. Those things are powerful. Obedience to God will look different for all of us tomorrow morning but it's still important. Can we walk in integrity? Can we walk in obedience? And so uh, in, uh, in uh, 1 Samuel 25, at last Samuel died and all the people of Israel gathered to mourn him. Samuel was valued. He was respected because he obeyed God and he served the people. And with Samuel, Israel actually experienced extended periods of peace and flourishing and Samuel did what was right and good in the sight of God and everybody else benefited from it. So here's my question to you. Who will benefit from your obedience to God? Not just you, but like who in your life will benefit from your obedience to God? Your coworkers, your boss, your employees, your family, your friends. Who will benefit from your obedience to God? And uh, it's got one last slide that kind of wraps up this. Imagine a church that understood and lived out what Samuel understood and lived out. You guys want to put this up as a summary? Listen for God's voice. Again, imagine a church. Imagine all of us if we lived this out. 
Listen for God's voice. Don't let any of God's words be lost on you. Get rid of distractions and idols and serve God alone. Pray about what bothers you, then do what God says, even if it's not the answer you want. Live a life of integrity. Follow God your whole life and serve him completely. Teach others how to live a godly life through your words and actions. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and God is more concerned with inner character than external appearance. Imagine if we lived like that. What would our world look like? Our world would change. And it's bit by bit, God is doing that in our hearts, and it has to come back to Jesus. And as we, you know, as we wrap up, the point of this message is do not, is not be like Samuel, okay? Mm -mm. No one in the Bible is good enough except Jesus. The point of the message is always be like Jesus. Look to Jesus. He was a good example, steadfast, impactful life, but it was all pointing to the glory and honor straight to God. And in the end, everything points to Jesus. Every story whispers his name. And maybe you've heard that Jesus is called Messiahs, you know, and it's so important we always end with the, the focus on Jesus. And this is a really cool thing as I wrap this up. Uh, maybe you've heard Jesus is called Messiah. Well, that's just a Hebrew word for anointed one, and it refers to a long-awaited, anointed king of the Jews. Do you know where the concept of Messiah first appears in Scripture? The book of 1 Samuel. Now, Samuel anoints Saul and David as kings of Israel. He pours oil on their heads, and David will refer to Saul as the Lord's anointed. But it's not Samuel. It's not Saul. It's not David that first does this. The first mention of Messiah, or that concept of Messiah, comes from the first character we met in the historical account, Samuel's mom, Hannah. When God is answering her prayer, and she is so excited. She sings this song to the Lord back in chapter 2, how he opposes the proud and exalts the humble, how despite human evil, God is always at work, and how one day God will raise up a king and save his people. And she says, she says this in, uh, in the closing lines. It says, uh, those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. And that terminology was really the first time where it's like, this is the Messiah. This is who God's promising. And it was just a woman wanting to be a mom, crying out her deepest heart's desire, and God downloaded something powerful into her. And so Hannah anticipates a king that's anointed by God that will judge the whole earth. It's not Saul. It's not David. It points to a greater king, the king over all, the king of all kings, who is Jesus, the only one who can change our lives, the only one who can actually transform us the way we need why don't we stand up as we consider what role do we play in the story of Jesus? What role do we play in the story of Jesus? Maybe it's a spotlight. Probably not, though. Man, there is beauty in the background, and there is strength in subtlety. Just living your life faithfully obedient to Jesus will have big impact. Not everybody's going to hear about it. It's not all Instagram-worthy to post, but it's real and it's genuine. And so... As we, as we wrap up, I just want to encourage us, our world needs more Samuels. Not specifically, because again, it's not be like Samuel, but that concept of just a desire to reflect God, to obey God, to trust God, to love God, to honor God. And so I want to give us the opportunity as we wrap up to pray that same kind of prayer and just declare that that is who we can be. And so I want to invite us to just close our eyes and you know, even if you just want to like, just put your hands out. I think there's, again, there's, we, we, we already did this during prayer before, but there's just, there's power in a posture of being willing to receive and to give. And it's just coming before God. And I just want to encourage us, whether it's the first time you've prayed a prayer like this or you've prayed it many times, why don't you just say, God, thank you. 
that you love me, that you have a plan and a purpose for me. I want to know it, but it starts with you. I have to say yes to you before I can walk in your truth. I need to learn to hear your voice before I can receive your direction. I'm here, I'm open, I'm ready. Forgive me my sins, give me a new start. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.